1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5 in the month of August, probably the second week of August, we're going to be starting a in-depth series on the gifts or the manifestations of the Spirit. I want to announce that ahead of time because I want everybody to be here because it's going to be very important for our church. I'm going to be doing some of the teaching. Pastor Tom and Brother George will be doing some of the teaching. We are just pressing in to the things of God. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We thank you that the anointing is upon your word. And so, Father, we give you praise and glory for the teaching of your word, and we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, 1 John chapter 5, verses 9 through 13, and we might get through verse 15 tonight. Notice with me, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. So, the witness of God is always greater than the testimony of men. The word of God is always greater than the word of a man. The witness of men and the witness of God, the Bible says it is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. You're going to see the word witness and assurance and confidence. You know, the word witness is really a court term. And when a person gives witness or gives testimony, they are testifying and witnessing to something that is true. Now, verse 10, it says, He that believeth on the Son of God. We have any believers here tonight? Has, now notice, the witness in himself. On the inside of every person that is born again, there is that inward witness. And that lines up with Romans 8.16, which says, The Spirit itself, or like one teacher said, The Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So how can you know if someone's a child of God? Well, there should be a witness in your spirit. There should be an inward knowing in your spirit that a person is born of God. And you know, you don't have to be a Pentecostal to be born of God. You don't have to speak in tongues to be born of God. You don't have to go to a full gospel church or to a Baptist church to be born of God. Did you know that you can be a Catholic and be born of God? You can be a Presbyterian and be born of God. We had the uh, privilege of sitting with some people from Ireland at our table. We had no idea that who we were going to be sitting with on the cruise. But just a lovely couple with beautiful brogues and just wonderful people. I had the witness in my spirit that they were born of God. Yes, he was very much indoctrinated with Catholicism. But you know what? The most important thing is, does a person believe that Jesus died, was buried, and rose from the dead? And of course, I had Catholic roots, and I was able to tell him about my mother, who's 95 years old. I called her the other day, and she said she was praying the rosary for me and my sister Lucy. Well, how many of you know that God honors people's hearts? I believe that with all my heart. And uh, so it was interesting that we talked about some of the things and discussed some of the names. You know, what was my 
mother's maiden name and what was my grandmother's maiden name, which was Sullivan. And uh, so he kind of liked me after a while. <laughs> and his wife just loved Brenda and we were sitting there. And uh, we started talking about some of the hymns. And he came up to me after dinner one night and he said, this is my favorite hymn. I love Latin. And he sang with his little Irish brogue a Latin Catholic song. I said all that to say this, that the body of Christ is a whole lot bigger than us four and no more. Aren't you glad? Heaven's a big place. Heaven's a beautiful place. We don't have to agree on everything with everyone, but one thing we must agree on is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now notice with me in verse 11. And this is the record. Now notice, here's the record. Two things. Number one, that God has given to us, number one, eternal life. So let's talk a little bit about eternal life. The word for life in the Greek is zoe. I have a question for you tonight. How long does eternal life last? Eternally. It lasts forever. So eternal life, when a person receives the Lord, that life in the Lord and with the Lord will never run out. The next question I want to ask you is how do we obtain eternal life? How do we earn eternal life? Well, we can't earn it. It's been bought and paid for. It is a free gift of right standing with God. In John chapter 10 and verse 28, it says this, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I'm glad that no man can take us out of the hand of God. Amen. Man didn't give us eternal life, and thank God man can't take it away. Hallelujah. And then Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, let me just quote it to you for the sake of time tonight. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we see that eternal life is a free gift. It cannot be earned, but very important to understand, we must receive it. We must take hold of the eternal life that has been so freely handed to us. It's like this. We have a hand, and I like to look at our hand, is the faith, amen, that receives or the faith that takes. So by faith, we take or receive what God has so graciously, graciously provided for us. Amen. So we can't earn it, and it is a gift, and the gift is in Him. So notice with me in verse 11 again. 11. And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. So this gift is in Him. But did you know what? Once you come into the kingdom of God, you are now in Him. You are now in Christ Jesus, and Christ Jesus is in you. I love 2 Corinthians 5.17. Let's pull it up and look at it and remind ourselves of this fact. You are no longer outside of the kingdom of God when you're born of God. You are in the kingdom and the kingdom's in you. You are in Christ and Christ is in you. 
He that is joined unto the Lord is what? He that is joined unto the Lord, 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. You're one with Him. He's one with you. And He's one with the Father. That is an outstanding truth. Now in 2 Corinthians 5.17 it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ. I want you to pay particular attention to that word, in Christ. Everyone say, in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is what? One translation says he's a new species that has never existed before. I am, you are, a new creation. That's powerful. No, we're not new in our body. We'll get a new body someday. It's a glorified one. No, we're not new in our mind. We have the Word of God to renew our mind. But we are new on the inside. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. Now look at this. He says, old things have passed away. Who you were and what you did before you're born again in the mind of and in the eyes of God is a dead issue. Now the devil will bring it up and remind you of it, but you just remind him that look, you're talking to a person that's brand new on the inside. The person you're talking about was crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I that live, but Christ liveth in me. Amen? So if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Amen? That old alcoholic, that old drunk, whatever you were before, that's a dead issue. And then he says, behold, or look, all things have become new. Now, turn with me to 1 John chapter 5, 12. He that has the Son, and this is the summation of it, 1 John chapter 5, verse 12, He that has the Son has this Zoe, or has this life. And he that has not the Son of God does not have life. Doesn't he make it simple? I mean, either you are born of God or you're not born of God. You're either a child of God or you're not a child of God. You're either on your way to heaven or you're not on your way to heaven. It's very simple. Now, there are thousands, literally, of denominations out there. There are seven major world religions. How many of you know ours is the biggest, but it's not a religion. It's a relationship. So we understand this. Thank God there is only one way to the Father. Jesus did not say, I am one way. He did not say, I am a way. He said, I am Yahweh. No, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Say it real strong with me. You are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. Now notice with me in verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. That's us. That you may know, that you may know. That you have eternal life. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now I looked at one particular commentator today, Adam Clark. And he said this. It's vain to expect eternal glory if we don't have Christ in our heart. I mean, it's vanity to expect not only eternal glory, but it's vanity to expect the spirit of glory to rest on us 
if we don't have Christ in us. How many of you know there's rich benefits of having the glory of God flowing and ready to operate in our lives? So he says it's vanity to expect eternal glory. He says this is God's record. <coughs> Excuse me. Let no man deceive himself here. An indwelling Christ and there is glory. But no indwelling Christ, there is no glory. And God's record is what stands in our lives. Now let me go through a very quick study with you on the Zoe or the life of God. Jesus said in John 10.10, He says, I have come that you might have life and have it more redundantly. No, He didn't come to give us the redundant, ritualistic, boring life. The Amplified says, I have come that you might have and enjoy life and have it to the full in abundance until it overflows. That's the kind of life that Jesus came to give you. I like one person said it this way, Zoe means life as God has it. You suppose God's got it pretty good? Oh, He's got it way beyond pretty good. He's got it good. So life, the Zoe kind of life, is what Jesus came to give us. In uh, John 5, verse 26, and I want you to turn there. When eternal life comes into our hearts and into our lives, it changes us. How many of you can testify today that you're growing in light, you're growing in development, and you're growing and walking in this life of God? I mean, it changes a man from the inside out to where some of the things that you used to do just fall off, praise God, because of the life of God. How many of you notice that your speech is corrected and your speech is changed when you're born again? Some of you were world-class cussers, B.C. But when you cussed when you're a Christian, something scratched on the inside. If you slip up or have slipped up, you know that something's not right on the inside. <coughs> At least there should be that sensing in your spirit, amen? You don't want to become hardened according to the course of this world. But when God's life comes into your spirit, it'll change your conduct. It'll change your habits. It'll change your speech. It'll literally change the countenance on your face. I have seen the life of God come into people's lives. And right before my eyes, it looked as if they became not only a new person inside, but their face had a light. Their face had a countenance about them. Now look at John 5, 26. John, the fifth chapter. We're talking about he that has the son has life. This is what you've got. This is what I've got. For as the father has life, or Zoe, in himself. So we see that this life originated from the Father. From the Father of all spirits. For as the Father has life in himself, so has he given the Son to have light or life in himself. So it came from the Father. It was in Jesus. Now look at John chapter 1 and verse 4. John chapter 1 verse 4. Now notice this with me. It says, in Him, this is in Christ. And remember, who are you in? And who is in you? Christ. So this applies to you and to us and to me. In Him 
was Zoe. And the life, or the Zoe, was the light, or as one person says, it is the development of man. This Zoe, this life, will cause a spiritual maturity and development in a man or a woman. This light and this development is only achieved by eternal life. Some of the greatest inventions of this world and of this age in which you and I live in came through Christians. Where did they and how did they tap into that kind of intelligence and wisdom? They did so because they were in God and God was in them and Christ is in them. Amen. And so I want to exhort you tonight. Folks, you are not just a spiritual being carrying baggage through this life. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. And God's got a purpose for your life. And you can draw from the wells of salvation. You can draw from the river of life on the inside of you. And it can lift you and bless you and cause you to be a blessing to many people around you. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Anyway. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse... 6 through 11. See, you're an ambassador, and I am an ambassador. And we're only here for a little while. We're not going to be doing this forever. Time goes by quick. Amen. The rapture's coming soon. Amen. It's all about to be wound up. So let's operate in this life, and let's develop our lives and ourselves spiritually. Some of you say, well... You know, I should have done this and I should have done that. Yeah, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Now is the time to do it. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6 through 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 through 11 says, For God, who commands the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellency and the power may be of God and not of us. Verse 8. For we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Anybody ever faced any trouble? Well, we all have. In the world, Jesus said, you'll have trouble or tribulation. But then he didn't stop there. He says, get happy about it, guys. Because I've already overcome the world. And because I've overcome the world, you overcome the world because you're in me and I'm in you. Amen. Now, in verse 9. Persecuted but not forsaken. Cast down but not destroyed. One translation says, knocked down but never knocked out. <clears throat> Next verse. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Now notice. That the life, everyone say that the life. That the Zoe kind of life, the God kind and the God quality of life might be manifest in your body. So the context is saying there's going to be some trouble. There's going to be some difficulties. And there's going to be some tests. But fear not. Because the life of Jesus is showing up and is going to manifest in your body. 
If it's a sickness and disease, take heart. The life of God's on the inside of you. Amen? If it's a testing tribulation in the area of finances, I believe that the life of God has power to drive out debt, has power to drive out death, has power to drive out all cancer. We sing that song, I got the life of God in me. I got the life of God in me. I got His life, His light, His whatever, His nature, His ability. I got the life of God in me. That's what you need to be declaring when the pressure gets on you. Glory to God. Say, thank God the life of Jesus is manifesting in my mortal flesh. And it's not going to be long that I'm living the life of God and I'm making it through this test. <coughs> Hallelujah. Life. Everyone say life. Death tries to come against your body. Just lay hands on yourself and say, Life! Life. Let there be light. Let there be life. Life. You might as well just believe God. You might as well just get happy about it. You got the opportunity to become a world overcomer. This is the victory. It overcomes the world. Even our faith. Amen. So, the life of Jesus might be manifest in our mortal body. Verse 11. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. But notice that the life of Christ might be made manifest in our mortal body. Amen. Whatever challenge that you're having in your life, the life of God is greater than that. But you've got to learn to tap into it. It can't be a truth that Pastor Mark has or Brother George has or P.T. has or Tony. This has got to be a truth that needs to lodge deep in your own spirit. I got the life of God in me. Now, quickly back to 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. It's, it's interesting to me that 1 John 5 and throughout the book of 1 John, we see that the word confidence and assurance, you know, we just read it. He that has the Son has life. I have come that you might know that you have eternal life. When you know something, you're sure something and you're confident, aren't you? Okay? Now, he goes on to say now in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, he begins to talk about confidence in prayer. Confidence in prayer. Look at this. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything... According to his will, he hears us. Verse 15. And this, and if we know that he hears us, we know whatever we ask. We know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. Okay. Now let's, let's work with this. Let's unpack this just a little bit before we go home tonight. Let's, let's talk about this. I believe that more people would pray if they were more confident. He, he's dealing with confidence in prayer. And that's why a lot of people don't pray. Because they have no confidence. Because they walk around not really knowing what the will is. Look, if you don't know what the will of God is, how can you be confident when you pray? Because he said you've got to ask according to His will. And so there's you know, a lot of things that, that keep, keep people out of the arena of prayer. One is a lack of confidence. And 
very closely connected with a lack of confidence is condemnation. Well, why would the Lord hear me? After all, I acted like a jerk on the way to church tonight. You're not the only person that has ever acted like a jerk on the way to church. Just mark it down. I've done it. The only benefit and privilege you have is you didn't have to get up here. <laughs> you know, if, if, if we all had to be perfect before God used us, I mean, forget it. Nothing would ever get done. One preacher says it like this. Condemnation is the confidence killer. Condemnation will press you down. But God wants us to be confident. You know, think of all the scriptures in the Bible that talk about confidence. Being confident of this very thing. That he who has begun what? Has he begun a good work in you? He who has begun a good work in you. He will complete it. He will perfect it until he returns. So away with condemnation and then away with praying in the dark. What do you mean praying in the dark? Praying in the dark is praying prayers that you're not sure whether God will answer or not. Because I'm just not sure. I don't know the will of God. Now let's talk about this for just a few more moments. Everyone say confidence, confidence. in prayer. Thank you, Lord. Mm -mm -mm. Now, as we discuss this a little bit further, let me remind you of something that Jesus said in Luke 18, 1. And let's pull Luke 18, 1 up. Luke 18, 1. Talks about men ought always to pray and not what? Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Let's begin to look at prayer. Prayer is kind of like our oxygen. Okay? Now, if you, how many of you know if you don't breathe and you hold your breath, something not good is going to happen. <laughs> if you don't breathe, it's easy to grow weak. And when a person grows weak, they fall out. Well, that's what's happening with a lot of Christians. They're not praying because they're not confident. And as a result of not having a prayer life, yes, I'm recommending to you a word life and a prayer life. And the more word you have, the more confident you will be and the more you will desire to pray. So men ought always to pray and not faint. So we don't want to be faint, falling out, weak Christians. We want to develop a strong prayer life. Anybody ever heard of a gentleman by the name of George Muller? Well, he was an Englishman and he had an orphanage and he wasn't funded by a denomination and they just flat had to believe God for every meal. And so he'd be sitting around the table and he'd say, well, guys, lady, he'd say, boys and girls, he said, let's pray. And so they would ask the father for what their need was. For what they desired. And oftentimes before their prayer could end, there would be a knock on the door. And someone would bring in just tons of groceries for them. You know, our God's a prayer answering God. Think about it. There's thousands of promises in the Word. Find out what it is that you need 
and find it in the Word and then pray with confidence. George Muller said this, Prayer is not overcoming his reluctance. But he said, Prayer is laying hold of God's willingness. Prayer is laying hold of God's willingness. Now look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Hebrews, the fourth chapter, and the sixth verse. lot of ground here that we could talk about in these two verses. This is a whole seminar right here. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. Hebrews, the fourth chapter, and the King James says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Anybody ever have a need? And so God says, therefore, come boldly. Don't come weakly. Don't come faint-heartedly. But come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Look with me at that verse in the Amplified Version, and let's take a quick gander at that. Look at Hebrews 4.16 in the Amplified. You'll see this word confidence. You'll see this word boldness. Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace. The throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners. That we may receive mercy for any areas that we have failed in and find grace to help in good time for every need. Appropriate help and well-timed help just coming when we need it. That's awesome. So what I'm saying to you tonight is get a promise. Get saturated with the promises. It's not the promises that I know that are going to work in your midnight hour. It's the promises that you know for yourself. Man of God, many years ago, he would just gather around the altar while people were praying and seeking God. And he would sometimes take a poll and ask them, what is it that you're praying about? And oftentimes the response would be, well, nothing in particular. And he thought to himself, that's exactly what you'll get, is nothing in particular. Now, I realize that there are times where we just wait on God, and we seek God, and we get saturated with the Spirit of God, and that's good, and that's wonderful. But when you are invited to make your petitions known before the Lord, you better know what your petitions are. And you better have a promise that you can stand on. You know, if you walked into a grocery store tonight, Lucky or Safeway or Raley's, and maybe, maybe you even have a job there, and you saw a person going up and down the aisles, and their basket is empty, and you go up and ask them, well, can I help you? What are you looking for? Well, I'm not looking for anything in particular. You'd probably wonder maybe if that guy's head was screwed on right. <coughs> and so, so it is with prayer. We need to be specific about we're going to the throne of grace for. Now notice this again. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. 
So our confidence in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. So when we ask according to His will, He hears us. But what trips people up is they don't know what the will of God is. And I submit to you tonight that the will of God is extremely easy to find. Because the Word of God and the will of God are one and the same. The promises of God are in fact the will of God for your life. If you find a scripture on peace or on joy or on healing, you can take that for yourself. And you can pray according to the will of the Father. This is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, you got His ear. And if we know that He hears us, if we know that He hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. Amen. Now let me ask you a question tonight. Is it the will of God for your loved ones to be saved? So do you have standing ground? Do you have praying ground? Can you pray for your lost loved ones to come into the kingdom of God? Absolutely. You've got standing ground. You can stand on the word of God. So is it the will of God for you to prosper? Is it the plan of God? Is it the purpose of God for us to go through life beat up and beat down, never been able to pay our bills, having to live on welfare for the rest of our life? Is that the will of God? No, no it's not the will of God. The will of God is, beloved, I pray above all things that you may prosper and walk in divine health as your soul prospers. The will of God is Philippians 4.19 where it says, But my God shall supply half your need. No, he said, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And in this day and in this hour, you better have that branded in your spirit. You better know that you know down in your knower that you serve a God who meets your every need. That He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord your provider. He is the God, hallelujah, who daily loads you with benefits. You better know it now. You better declare it. You better receive it. Because the devil doesn't want you to have nothing. And then wants to make you feel humble about it. That's a religious devil. God's a God of abundance. He's come that we might have it. To the full. In abundance. Till it overflows. Don't you feel bad about coming to the table and eating that six course meal that the message version says in Psalm 23. He prepares a table. He prepares a six course meal right in front of our enemies. Amen. Amen. I'm going to the table and I'm going to eat. How about you? Is it the will of God for you to prosper? I'm not saying that every one of you are going to be multimillionaires, but some of you ought to be. <laughs> that threw some of you right there. I mean, wouldn't you like to put down a check in the church for $9 million and pay this building off? Come on, didn't that get you excited just a little bit? Wouldn't you like to pay for your baby's education years ahead of time? Wouldn't you like to pay for your education that you've been praying on, paying on years and years? Come on, somebody. Help this Pentecostal teacher preacher. Amen. Amen. Is it the will of God? 
How do you know it's the will of God? Because you've got the Word of God. And the Word of God is the promise of God. Three things. We've got a covenant with God. And then, because we have a covenant with God, there is the principle or the law of reciprocity that takes place. Listen very carefully. If you will draw near to Him, you've got a covenant right to do that. He will reciprocate and draw near to you. If you will seek Him, you will what? You've got a covenant. There's the reciprocal and there's the response. Your covenant says if you ask anything according to His will, He hears you. He hears you. And then you know that you have the petitions. God's response to the prayer of faith is always yes and amen. Listen, I was so proud of one of our church members today. I was in Fremont and I stopped by the hospital to, to see a gentleman that had just had surgery the other week or last week. And, and of course, PT and everyone's been looking after this guy. And... Uh, I was so proud of him because I sat down in the hospital uh, chair right next to him and, and he was very thin and hadn't been able to hold food down. And I said, let's pray. And so we just started praying and the anointing of God hit. But listen, what was coming out of his spirit was solid word. Rock solid word facing the biggest test of his life in the middle of that test he's holding on to his covenant hey and the response shall be victory and the response shall be yes and amen so don't take you know teachings like this lightly don't take the word lightly don't lightly esteem the word. You've come too far to back off now. You've come too far down the road. I was on that cruise and I was praying about some things and a couple things kind of came up. The Spirit of God said to me, He says, Have I ever failed you? Have I ever Giving you a reason not to trust me. And what came out in my spirit was never lightly esteem the promises of God. And never lightly esteem what He's already done for you. And if you don't, it'll be just the beginning of greater and glorious things. Amen. Do you receive the word tonight? Thank God. Let's give Him praise. Lift up your hands and say, Lord, I receive the witness of God and the word of the Lord this night in Jesus' name. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye.